0: can't go on. Hi, folks, I'm Alan Watt, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on December the 21st, 2010. As always, I get it out the way to begin with at the start of the show. I tell you to go into cuttingthroughthematrix.com, that's my web- website, the main website. And bookmark all the sites you see listed there. If you find sticking on downloads of audios on the com site, try these alternate sites because, um, so many folk go into the com site at the same time and that can cause a problem once in a while. Now remember, all the sites listed have the audios for download of, of hundreds of shows I've given in the past where try to give you shortcuts to the reality in which you're, you're living. And they all carry transcripts in English. Off a lot of the talks as well for print-up, which you can read. A lot of people prefer to read, and it's better, too, to go over things. If it's written, you remember it better, really, later on. And if you want transcripts in other languages, go into EU, and you'll find a variety to choose from. That's also listed on the comm site as well. And remember, too, that you are the audience to bring me to you. I don't uh, bring on uh, advertisers to sell products and so on. I simply depend upon you to keep me going, and it's up to you if you want to, because there's other things I could certainly do, especially in this time that we've gone through. I came on the air because I had enough knowledge to dispel the myths that we're going through, even in the patriot community, and and fill in the facts of the big world project that was already underway, had been before I was born, or my parents, in fact, were born. And I try to fill in the gaps and give you a head start for those who are interested. And not everyone can handle it. They refuse to go any further, even if you have the the authors who took part in the big projects, writing in their own memoirs and their own biographies about uh, the big plans and agendas, which were already underway. Most folk can't handle the truth, and it's a sad comment. But if you want to buy the books, and this I have for sale, which keeps me going, go into cutting and from the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from your post office. You can use cash, send cash, or you can use PayPal to order. Just press the donate button, put in an appropriate amount, and you find at the com how to do that and how much there is and so on, uh, or things cost, and... Follow it by an email with your name, address, and the order, and hopefully I'll get it out to you as quick as I can. Mail is slow at this time of year, especially with all the supposed uh, added security. They're checking every little thing, and it's become an absolute farce, really. It's, uh, it never send anything first-class mail. It makes no difference what you send it at. It's, I'll get there at the same time. Same with registered envelopes, too. Uh, It'll take sometimes longer, because anything registered might be suspicious, you see, and they'll hold the border for later inspection. So uh, we're going through the the farce, I call it, of the changeover from one reality into the next regimented authoritarian reality, and that's what's happening in this world. Now remember, too, across the rest of the world, to order the books, you can use PayPal to order, just uh, again send the donation followed by an email with name, address, and the order. I'll get it out to you. You can also use MoneyGram, I think, which can wire, or it can be uh, given to you in a check form. You post it off, takes seven days, and uh, for those who can wait, it's worth it it because it saves you some cash. There's Western Union 2, which also does direct wiring. So it's all up to you how you want to order them. But these books are different. The talks certainly are different. And I fill in a lot of gaps that the mainstream will keep away from you. The mainstream isn't there to inform you. It's meant to really control you and keep you in the fake reality and even give you what become your opinions as you go from one reality into the next. They will become your opinions, designed by experts, of course. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, we're back and we're cutting through the matrix. It is astonishing how you're born into this system which is well underway and every generation takes the system in which they're born for granted. They think it's, it could only be this way. How else could it be? That's all they know. And if their parents don't know themselves that uh, the whole system is rigged and you live in a, a more sophisticated form of slavery as Charles Galton Darwin said, then, of course, they can't pass it on to the child. And then you go into education, and their first job is to make you uniform, standardize you, make you into linear thinkers, until you can't see uh, any particular objective means to get to a problem. You're not taught to look at things from many angles and be very critical in in your logic and how to arrive at various conclusions until you get the proper conclusion on any topic. And all this was known a long time ago. I've gone through the histories of some of the big people involved in setting up the very system we're seeing emerge now. And many of them lived in, in the early 1900s and before. And before them too, there were other groups who went under various names and various organizations all working together towards bringing in the 20th century. But as I say, this, this particular century was worked out long in advance and some of the, the higher players who attended the think tanks came out with their books knowing that the general population would never catch on to what they're actually saying. Most people won't read them, of course. They're too dry and boring for them. And, um, The ones who do catch on see the exoteric, because, you see, they they write in an exoteric way for the public. It's like the Bible. You It paints pictures in your head, and you'll say, I agree with this, and I agree with that, and I agree with this. And you don't realize there's also another story underneath it. You never stand back and say, well, what kind of person is actually writing this book? Um... They don't seem to have the kind of compassion necessary uh, to mix even with society as you know it. That never enters most folks' heads. They simply become followers. Uh, So-and-so said this, Bertrand Russell said that, and they worshipped him as an actual hero. He had lots of the working class on board with them, and they never figured out that he planned to have them working in slavery eventually, and uh, he wanted to annihilate a lot of them too to bring down the population. We we'll always hear about Adolf Hitler, who's always pointed out as the, the only bad guy that ever existed. And, of course, that that's not true at all, because the boys that brought you Adolf Hitler gave you Lenin and Stalin and other ones, too, up to the present time. And the reason you always know this is because you can read between the lines, and say, the esoteric, and put two and two together. And what you'll find, too, with the big boys who all work together and go to global think tanks and work out and hammer out all the problems of how to implement their schemes and their agendas into the phases. You'll find out that they, they all come out with the same, um, views on things and the same necessities on things, especially depopulation and a controlled, scientifically run society. That's what you're going into now. Authoritarianism, the Club of Rome, as I say, talked about this too many, many years ago as a top think tank for the United Nations. And I've given out the membership lists before and various other things about them. If you want to find out stuff, go into my archives and do a lot of digging. And even if you get the wrong one at first and you listen to the audio, believe you me, you still learn something from it before you hit the right one. But here's Bertrand Russell, who belonged to a group, many groups actually, and he belonged to the Macy Group later on that was authorized by the president of the U.S. to bring in a system of total control over the population, because, you see, they blamed the people for all the world's ills, including wars. Now, the average person and peasant, of course, who's busy digging up potatoes, uh, is the last thing on his mind is going off to war. It's done by the very ruling class that end up blaming you uh, over and over again. But they looked at all the different methods of controlling this, this uh, public um, who need diversions through entertainment, especially when you crown them together. And of course they said they'd have to use entertainment as a method of controlling the public because that's where you get most of your opinions and your thoughts from is fiction, in other words. But they also talked about some um, massive depopulation eventually and you find out, you catch on when they're writing about what's to come. Some of the things were already established maybe, maybe a hundred, two hundred years beforehand. And these particular characters were products of the very eugenics program which they were promoting. Here's what Veteran Russell said in the Scientific Outlook on page two forty four, which was written in nineteen thirty one. Now what he's saying here is, is exactly the same format that they were looking for in Soviet the Soviet Union, that they wanted the Soviet man, the perfectly indoctrinated um, scientifically created uh, Soviet being who would be obedient like a robot to the government. And here's Russell talking about the same thing, and then of course the Germans picked up on it too. There's nothing that, that Germany picks up on that wasn't born in London. Nothing. But here here's what he says in the scientific output. he says these children, on the other hand, who are destined to become members of the governing class, will have a very different education. And listen carefully to this. They will be selected, some before birth. Now think about this, for the harder thinking, I'll, I'll repeat that last part, some before birth, some during the first three years of life, and a few between the ages of three and six. All the best known science will be applied to the simultaneous development of intelligence and willpower. Eugenics, chemical and thermal treatment of the embryo, And the diet in early years, now think about that, after all the shows I've given you and the junk we're all fed, um, in the early will be used with a view to the production of the highest possible ultimate ability. The scientific outlook will be instilled from the moment that a child can talk, and throughout the early impressionable years, the child will be carefully guarded from contact with the ignorant and unscientific, that's the general public. From infancy up to 21, scientific knowledge will be poured into him. And at any rate, from the age of 12 upwards, he will, he will specialize in those sciences for which he shows the most aptitude. See, Russell was a product of this himself. So were the Huxleys. I've gone through the history of the Huxleys and their special inbreeding programs. At the same time, he will be taught physical toughness. He will be encouraged to roll naked in the snow. They like nakedness, these guys. They have a lot in common. To fast uh, occasionally for 24 hours, to run many miles in hot days, to be bold in all physical adventures and uncomplaining when he suffers physical pain. That's the same thing, of course, that uh, Germany in, in World War II, before World War II implemented, and they got the ideas from this group. From the age of 12 upwards, he will be taught to organize children slightly younger than himself and will suffer severe censure. If groups of such children fail to follow his lead, they're taught to be born leaders, you see. And they actually, the born leader is the proper term. A sense of his high destiny will be constantly set before him, and loyalty to his order will be axiomatic, that it will never occur to him to question it. Every youth will thus be subjected to a threefold training, in intelligence, in self-command, and in command over others. If he should fail in any one of these three, he will suffer the terrible penalty of degradation to the ranks of common workers and will be condemned for the rest of his life to associate with men and women vastly inferior to himself in education and probably in intelligence. The spur of this fear will suffice to produce industry in all but a very small minority of boys and girls of the governing class. Now, as I say, that was already on the go, uh, and he was a product of this. The Huxley's were too. In fact, Julian Huxley talked about the same thing, and they were the end product of inbreeding with with two initially two families, constantly inbreeding for generations, and then a third one, the Galtons, added to it, the Darwin's Galtons, and, of course, they, they brought in uh, a couple of other ones later on as well. Uh, for fresh blood, since so many morons were born out of them. But for all the morons that were born, they also had the occasional supposed genius. But they had special education and kept apart from the the average person, the commoners, to the age of 21 or so. This has been on the go for a long time. Plato talked about it in the Republic, and they all quote Plato, all of them. And... In the Scientific Outlook 2, on page 252, which is under on breeding of the governing class, uh, he also says, uh, If we were right in supposing the scientific society will have different social grades according to the kind of work to be performed, we may assume also that it will have uses for human uh, beings who are not of the highest grade of intelligence, that manual workers in general will be bred for patience and muscle rather than for brains. That's where... Uh, Aldous Huxley got his idea from They're all communicating with each other And attending the same think tanks The governors and experts on the contrary Will be bred chiefly for their intellectual powers And their strength of character Assuming that both kinds of breeding are scientifically carried out There will come to be an increasing divergence Between the two types Making them in the end almost different species And a lot of that's already happened, as I say. Have you ever wondered about these guys that are suddenly, supposedly, instant whiz kids with the computers, uh, who just get banged up there? Never heard of them before, of course. You'll never get their schooling records from them, uh, or never mind the school they went to. And uh, I'm sure some of these really are especially coached and trained for their actual role, as he says. here. They're given their role, and what, what will be expected of them, and what they'll actually do. It's all laid out for them, and the door is open for them, too. That's already happened, as I say. We're there. We are there. And it's been on the go for a long time, not just in one country or so, but in all the main countries across the world. And that's also why, of course, in this system, as you go through the next phase of bringing down, you don't need all these uh, students anymore in schools getting a better education, even though it's not the top education. You don't need that So read this article about students and cutbacks after this, because it ties in together. Back in a moment. Hi folks, we're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix. Going over uh, some of the writings of those who have written this part that we're going through now, the agenda for this part, they they partook in the various high-level meetings, uh, knowing exactly where they were going with the world, being absolutely confident they could pull it off, because, you see, they were backed by the the wealthiest people on the planet, and those wealthiest people were the ones who owned all uh, the resources of those things which are called wealth. They they owned all the gold mines, all the diamond mines and everything else, you see, that that they gave us to call wealth. And it works very well, especially this time of year where everybody's going crazy buying gold and and diamond presents and all that nonsense uh, to make the same characters who helped sink you before with the banks even richer again. But again, you, you can't stop a lifetime of training, eh? And everyone's been trained to spend, spend, spend. The world must be okay if we can still spend and buy the same junk. But anyway... Here's what students in, in UK, you know, in Britain have had riots with the students who they are getting massive cutbacks in their funding and all the rest of it, because they don't need them anymore, you see. And it's time now to really bring in the, the two types of classes that Russell was talking about, the ones who are specially bred, specially educated and all the rest, which run the world and they'll need a fewer from the lower universities. So they used to call them the red brick universities, the ones they, bu- they built for the commoners after World War II to make them happy. But um, they'll keep a few of those around too to be the bureaucrats and so on, but not the leaders. But in Britain, here's what's happening now. And the students, of course, are rioting because once you get something from the government, which is all from your taxes anyway, um, we always think it should always be that way. And it says here, student fee savings will fund windmills in Africa. That's where the money is to go for those. Now, back in the 70s, the students would have been all for that. It didn't come from their savings, of course, the money. Um, but they thought, yeah, we should build windmills in Africa and all that kind of stuff. As we're all being taught to be awfully global. But it says here, the 2.9 billion pounds the government will save by increasing tuition fees matches the amount earmarked for a global warming project finds Christopher Booker. By the way, they've got the army out in Britain now to try to rescue people and clear the streets of snow the one of the largest snows they've had in an awful long time. And they've run out of grit because they're all counting on global warming, and it hasn't happened except in some people's imaginations. But it says here, the cause of the major political story last week, the row over tuition fees, students, rioting and all, was, as we all know, public spending cuts. But how much money does the government actually hope to save on tuition fees? If the immediate problems are massive state deficit, it seems odd that the government should risk such an unpopularity, not for any immediate saving, but in the hope that it will get the money back over the next 30 years as students can afford to repay it. In the short term, the government's own projection as to how much it will save is that the funding of university tuition will be cut by £2.9 billion by 2014. As it happens, 2.9 billion pounds is a sum ring-fenced by the same public spending review to be given to developing countries to help them fight global warming with windmills and solar panels. It also is slightly less than the 3 billion pounds by which our public debt is rising every week. These much-vaunted cuts are not all we are led to believe. So it's it's quite something, as I say, uh, as we go into this particular phase. And all you have to do now is, is get over the riots and get trained to fight with people flipping burgers and uh, stacking Walmart shelves and stuff like that because that's all that's going to be left as we get crowded into the cities and taken down through various means which are all on the go. And um G- Christmas cheer is amazing too because I love, I love how the they change society so easily. Berner, I mean, Bernays was awfully correct when he said, that there's nothing you can do you can 't do there 's nothing you can 't do with the general public there 's nothing you can 't make them do believe or whatever it's it, he was a master of it he took the, he got the u s to go and have a war to save a private corporation in Latin America that was one of his biggest um, uh, money uh, r- 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 incomes for advertising but uh, and i 've gone through that too before, and that was ni I think it was in the Um, The Century of the Self by Curtis. He goes through that. You can find it still up on YouTube. Uh, They're yanking so much off YouTube now as you go into the new laws. It's just uh, so darn quick. So if you don't have copies of things or whatever, you're out of luck. But it says here, and I went through this too, watching them going going to Happy Holidays, Happy Holidays uh, instead of Merry Christmas. And it was so strange after you're thinking of a country that had centuries and centuries of Merry Christmas, uh, being being told to say happy holidays, and they use the celebrities to do it all uh, for them uh, because the public always follow the stars. That's what you get given. You know, same in the military. You if you get shot or something, you get a little star, a little tin star, because we follow stars. So they give us celebrities as stars, and we mimic what they do and say because then you want to be cool and in, in with the crowd. You see. It says Chase orders South Lake Bank to remove Christmas tree. This is Chase uh, Chase Bank. He says Chase Bank told a Texas businessman to remove the Christmas tree he donated to a local branch because it could offend people. Oh, everybody's offended today. You know what? Everybody's offended unless you talk a uh, political correct speech speech all the time, uh, which is hard to do. There's a technique to it, and it's almost like um you have to uh, never answer something directly or quickly. You always slow down and play it through your mind what you're going to say. Analyze it, uh, reformulate it, edit it, and then say something. Or just nod your head. Uh, because that's how bad it's getting now. And there, you actually get fined for things today just by making a comment. It's quite some. But I'll read the rest of this and, and you get a chuckle or a dismay depending on how you see it when we come back from these messages. Listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, and this is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about a a bank which was given a Christmas tree, and it was decorated, and all the rest of it. And then the man who did it all and gave it the end the tree was told to take it down because people objected and they were offended by it, apparently. Imagine getting offended by a tree, you. Eh? But anyway, anything goes these days. It says here, the bank referred questions to corporate offices. Greg Hassel, uh, J.P. Morgan Chase spokesman said the company's policy isn't anti-Christmas. Of course not. They want your dough, right? People wish their customers Merry Christmas when it's appropriate, he said. Well, this is the time when it's appropriate, I would think. Anyway, however, the rest of the time we're all happy whatever else, happy holidays. However, to ensure that everyone who visits Chase Branches feels welcome and comfortable, the bank's policy is to use only decorations supplied by the company. I wonder what they are. We appreciate the thoughtful gesture from Ms. as Hassel said. Unfortunately, we're unable to keep it on display, the tree, because for the remainder of the holiday season, the holiday season not Christmas season. J.P. Morgan Chase ensures that decorations are something everyone is comfortable with, regardless of how they celebrate the season, Hassel said. But then it goes through, of course, other seeds as a symbol of the season, which, of course, it is. It doesn't matter how far back it goes. You've even got Christian bunches, too, that say, oh, that's a pagan symbol and all the rest of it. But um, you can't please people anymore today. They're so incredibly diverse in their craziness uh, that they're all fighting each other over a Christmas tree. I mean, see, tradition has to go, you understand. All tradition has to be destroyed to bring in the new stereotype where you've got happy holidays. That means nothing at all, really, doesn't it? Uh, A lot of folk aren't even on a holiday, so what does it mean, happy holidays? So it's... uh, it's quite something as they go through all this political correctness and, and people go along with it. They're all scared. Someone, in fact, was going to send me a cigar from the States and by regular post and the, the woman at the post office wouldn't put her name on it and pass it because she was unsure about the tobacco laws. If she sent this one cigar, uh, because, uh, there's so many laws on everything now uh, that they're simply terrified of losing their jobs and all that kind of stuff. Things are getting nuts. You know, really nuts. But that's what it's supposed to be at this time as we go through the big change over. It keeps us all off guard too, the, the madness of it all. That's the part of this, the, the technique that they're using. I'm also putting up tonight a link. In all these articles, remember I give links at the end of the show at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. a link to... Uh, it's quite a good site as far as you can see here. I have going gone through it all. Uh, but it does have some of the history of biological warfare the different countries involved, and so on and human experimentation. So others may have time to go through it in more depth than I have. I've really just glanced at it. There's a lot missing as well, I see, from here, but they've done a good enough job of getting the basic things in. Uh, I'll put that link up tonight as well. And also, I'll put up a link to YouTube, And it's quite interesting too how the Obama administration has given the go ahead for Latin American countries to come together in an effort and to try and I guess maybe sue Arizona for their uh, anti-illegal immigration laws, uh, which is a first for the American history where they're given, your own government's given the okay for other governments and nations to, to uh, try and stop you from what you're doing within your own state and country. Quite interesting indeed, because we see we're all global now, and they did sign an NAFTA agreement, and the free flow of goods and labor, and all that kind of stuff, you see, which to try and keep under wraps. But we're all to be merged, as, as you all well know from this show, into um, a continent just like Europe, and all all these trading blocks, these three big trading blocks will be under the United Nations initially, at least until they dream up some other wonderful name for the same organization, which is just a front for those who already run the world with money and so on. And bring in a scientifically controlled society, or dictatorship, as Russell preferred to call it. I'm also putting up a link to uh, new blood screening, uh, because uh, for years people with uh, Epstein-Barr syndrome, uh, chronic fatigue syndrome, and a whole bunch of these syndromes that broke out in the 70s, Um, I was thinking of biological warfare there too, mind you, but um, I think most of the warfare comes through the inoculations and it's it's deliberate warfare. Anyway, new blood screening is advised. says advisory panel says victims of chronic fatigue syndrome be barred from donating blood. Uh, It says an advisory committee to the Federal Food and Drug Administration is recommending that people with chronic fatigue syndrome be barred from donating blood amid concerns that a retrovirus may be linked to the disease. Well, they've always known what caused it because it was introduced into into the inoculations. The panel voted Tuesday 94 that the FDA should require a screening question to ask potential donors if they have a medical history of a chronic fatigue syndrome and, if so, exclude them from donating. The recommendation by the panel must now be reviewed by the FDA, which typically follows the advice of such panels, but is not required to do so. An FDA spokeswoman said there's no timetable yet on a final decision. And it says the panel's recommendation is a significant milestone for patients who have often felt maligned by the medical community. See, the medical community, like all professions, uh, is run like a pyramid structure, and there are big magazines that publish papers, you know, papers, that's very important, these papers Uh, the the papers become the new law, and and the new truth the new fact, the new reality for all those down below in the pyramid structure and if those at the top say it's all in their heads then they'll all parrot that even if your arms and that are rotten off your body, it's all in your mind, and these people have been diagnosed for years with mental problems, and meanwhile they they don't have the energy to get up and and even move, some of them and some of them are in awful pain as well so it says, um so this is the first time they've admitted it could be due to a retrovirus, and the first thing they do is ban them from giving blood. I think we should ban all these inoculations or try to make mandatory. Uh, they end up putting all these things in our bloodstreams to begin with. And that made more sense to me. But uh now... <laughs> I laugh too because years ago I talked about computer games even 10 years or more years ago I saw about so computer games are meant or made I went through the history of them for the military to get them to uh, not be emotional about killing as to make them kill without thought just immediately like a Pavlovian response uh, and they were given human targets initially sh- human shaped targets instead of the old round target style and then they went into computer games, of course. They even had ones during World War II that were run, run by uh, very fast moving film for training those in, as tail gunners in, in the bombers. And they were fast enough at that time, uh, those particular training uh, techniques. But the computer games really went o- overboard with uh, the military because most folk are not, they don't normally kill people, you see. And the military's job is to stop you from thinking about not killing people and to get you automatically to kill them without any thought at all. So it's only now that the mainstream are putting out this stuff. Why? Because most of the world's hooked on computer games, and it won't matter that I even read this. But it simply gives you an added strength to what you already knew, of course. And it says, computer games are dangerously addictive and contain powerful psychological devices designed to make some fans play compulsively. A panorama investigation will reveal tonight, I guess it's been revealed already, this was December the 6th, a simple technique based on the 1950s study of rats feeding themselves by pressing a lever, I've mentioned that before, which encourages repeat behavior by rewarding it at random, has effectively been adapted for use in gaming, and is feared to encourage addiction. I know in Korea they've got an awful problem with it, and they have special schools they send them to when they're really found to be holed up in their room. Just playing the same games over and over and over. He said the situation is so serious that the industry body United Kingdom Interactive Entertainment is now calling for more research on the issue and promising to publish advice for parents, helping them to look out for excessive and in problem and problem gaming traits in their children. What they do is they give you a random reward, just like the rats. Psychology left uh, behind successful computer games uh, in the same as the same used in studies on lab rats in the 1950s. This is how far back they've known all this stuff. And then and then it says um, the program Panorama, addicted to games, uh, quoted award-winning computer games designer Adrian Horn, chief creative officer of Six to Start, who admitted that the technique once used in rats was now commonplace in computer games. He told the BBC, in, in 1950, scientists discovered the rats, which had been trained to feed themselves by pressing a lever, would press it obsessively if the food was delivered randomly. Now, people have discovered that this works on humans as well. If you give people a lever or a button to press and give them random rewards, they'll press it all the time. It's the same with scratching win tickets and stuff. You see them standing at counters, you try and get served, and they've got handfuls of this stuff, and, and they just drop them all on the floor as you scratch them off, and it's, oh, it's another dud. And it says, uh, the rats would it, press a lever constantly to get their reward, which is food. It's the same principle with computer games. Um, the technique called the variable ratio of reinforcement or operant conditioning, uh, they use that in kindergarten, by the way, is simple but powerful and is, is thought to be one of the reasons people become addicted to slot machines. Um as his Mr. Horn added, I think people don't necessarily understand how powerful some game mechanics can be. These are designed by behaviorists and all these other uh, control freaks who use incredible sciences of studying the mind to, it's not just to sell the games, it's to program generations of children. See, the only reason they gave them, gave them out in America in a big, big way and Britain and elsewhere was for was really for the upcoming generation. They needed uh, to be the most debased generation in a long time, the least education, and uh, and the most violence, trained to be violent by bringing them up with nothing but games, games, games. They were already trained for the military. They're already trained. Once they get these weapons and so on, they'll just go killing and, and without ever thinking about it. I've even read articles here where there's a wing now in the American Air Force where they, got, they bring youngsters straight in, computer uh, addicts straight in. They don't even have to f- learn to fly or, or do any of the, the usual stuff. They're given the, their, their wings, and they sit and fly the drones because it's just another computer game to them. And those little dots on the screen that are really people are just little images generated by the computer. So they're awfully good at killing. Nothing happens by chance. Nothing at all. Nothing whatsoever happens by chance. Nothing. It all works together. And we're used, whole generations are used for one thing or another uh, in in the proper way for those who rule the world. Now, there's an article, too, about the National Health Service that's coming to America. Hospital wards to shut in secret National Health Service cuts. Tens of thousands of National Health Service workers would be sacked uh, hospital units closed and patients denied treatments under a secret plans or secret plans for 20 billion uh, pounds uh, uh, of health cuts. 20 billion pounds. They've had nothing but cuts for years and years and years. Uh, the sick would be urged to stay at home and email doctors as if you've got a computer, I guess, rather than visit surgeries. While procedures as, as, such as hip replacements could be scrapped, the plans of Merits Health chiefs drop emergency budgets that cast doubt on pledges by Gordon Brown to protect frontline services in the National Health Service. Documents show that health chiefs are considering plans to begin sucking workers, cutting treatments and shutting wards across the country, it says here. And then I'll go on to this other one, in the same theme, and it's from the Telegraph. Patients denied treatment as the National Health Service makes cutbacks. The Telegraph can disclose, because the numbers has been told to disclose that to get us used to the idea of it. And it says, um, trusts around the country, they put a lot of these hospitals into what they call trusts now, are refusing to pay for operations ranging from hip replacements to cataract re- removal and wisdom tooth extraction. The health service is also tightening restrictions that prevent patients undergoing procedures for lifestyle reasons. Now, that was something that came out from the United Nations, as they bring in, in the minimal care across the world. They say that everyone across the world is entitled to the basic minimal care. But in it in it too, they went through um, the fact that those who they claim brought on the problem by themselves should be the last to have treatment at all. And you know where that can go. It can go into anything at all. Smokers and obese patients are being denied operations until they change their habits. And trusts are delaying surgery and non-emergency treatments. The Telegraph has found in the most comprehensive snapshot of the National Health Service cuts yet. Now they'll keep giving treatment and all these therapy rehabilitation, rehabilitation places for booze because there's a big income for the government and, and also for cocaine and heroin because that's another big boon for the banks and the governments as well. They've always been uh, dealing with this stuff. In fact, the RCMP in Canada said years ago, that if uh, they stopped the, the drugs, illegal drugs, money being laundered through the main banks, they'd all be bankrupt. I guess bankrupt again is what I should really say. So it says the cuts, which include the cancelling of MRI scans and x-rays, are taking place in defiance of the coalition. This is what they're calling the new government in Britain, this coalition of of uh, the two left-wing parties. One's called Conservative, the other one's called Liberal. Uh, ministers are determined that frontline services should be protected and the savings needed can be found from management costs and efficiencies. But they're, they're definitely going all the way with it now. This is the UN agenda, by the way. And it'll also be the part of the faster kill. Now, I've read, I've read of articles from the Rockefeller Group uh, the talks in their last big major meeting where they said they've already helped to, basically they're inferring they've sterilized a lot of the population. They're not having children or can't have children, but it wasn't fast enough. Now they wanted to do, go into rapid depopulation. Well, this is the stage now where we're at. They're going into rapid depopulation as treatments are refused. And, of course, if you eat too many Mars bars, and even if you're not overweight, they'll say you've taken in too much sugar, and that's what caused your problem. You can can assign it to whatever is published in the Lancet Journal in a paper by some bigwig, and that's good enough. So, it also says here, there's also growing evidence that National Health Service managers are sacrificing patient care instead. Of what they're being told to do, doctors and nurses said the grim results undermine the myth that frontline services are being protected, and warned they were just a tip of the iceberg. The situation is going to get worse as the National Health Service struggles to save £20 billion over the next four years. Meanwhile, Britain's building roads in other countries, even Poland, uh, under the EU, and getting massive fines from the EU if they don't go along with all the agendas that they're supposed to go along with now. Too, what a wonderful world we're in, isn't it? Free trade was going to bring everyone such freedom and a variety of things to buy and purchase. And, of course, it's gone the way it was supposed to go. It was all done in secrecy and lies and deception until they created the parliament itself for Europe. What's new, eh? What's new? Now, for America, too, it's interesting. See, they also already knew this phase was coming upon us. And when Bush was in... He uh, started off what was called Faith-Based Social Services. I'll put the link up for that, too. And it's where, supposedly, any kind of organization, civil organization, will take over where government uh, cash used to employ government people, uh, right down to social workers or nurses and so on, to take care of those who couldn't afford it. So I'll read some of this when we come back from this break. We're cutting through the matrix, talking about really what is communitarianism under many different names as we go down the tubes, basically, into the scientifically controlled society and austerity measures and all the rest of it, uh, of course, there's an excuse given as well. But really, this was designed a long, long, long time ago, all this stuff to come up and be introduced right now, and we're living through it, as I say. And this part of it is called Faith-Based Social Services. And people have heard about the, faith, the faith-based initiatives and thought, oh, well, I guess that's something to do with religion and that's all it is. Now it's to do with also that, that the community takes care of those within the community with charitable associations and all the rest of it. So on this particular link I'll put up, you can look through it. It's got faith-based social services, uh, taking stock of the Bush faith-based initi- initiatives and what lies ahead, and also, uh, of course, it goes into uh, what changes Obama or what, what will Obama add to it. In fact, what they'll keep and what they'll change. That was that's all done as well here. There's PDFs here: American congregations and social service programs, comparative views on the role and effect of faith in social services a state of the law, 2008, legal developments affecting government partnerships with faith-based organizations, um, getting a piece of the pie, federal grants to faith-based social service organizations, the policy and environment for faith-based social services in the United States. What's changed since 2002 is when, see, we were getting this ready years ago, before the supposed bank crash, when they pulled the plug at the right time, of course, and, um, Eventually, it's all tying in with the new uh, social health care system that's being in- introduced into the United States, where folk think they're going to get something for nothing. <laughs> uh, Barnum says there's one born every minute. Eh? But that's the way it really is, and that's the real world, folks. The, nothing. These, we're under incredible micromanagement in every sector, but it's not difficult to do uh, when the guys at the top are the guys who lend, supposedly, money uh, to other nations and uh, own so much of the world's resources, pretty well all of it, in fact, in reality. And there's nothing for them to have cash printed up or just move blips off a computer, add a few to it, and give it to this bunch of uh, think tank to deal with one aspect of controlling and manipulating and upgrading you. That's what it's all about, isn't it? And... um, I'll also put up a link, too, to do with the insurance business. It ties in with uh, the Wall Street movie, if you ever saw the Wall Street movie, and the, the, the newer Wall Street that, that took over from it, taking over from the last one, showing all the cons and how even the big bankers were starting up businesses or investments and betting against their own investment and reaping even more money from it. I mean, these guys, you, you just can't keep... The, you, there's not a fly on these guys, as they say. You, can't, you just can't keep up with their uh, lovely, uh, crooked thinking as you go around in circles. And we're all linear. We can't imagine how this is possibly done uh, as the wise guys just pull it off one thing after another. But this one here is about insurance policies and how they're selling the policies to other investors, betting on you dying so that they can claim the cash. After a certain period is quite an interesting one it's based; These companies are based in the US again And uh, it says Odds skew against investors And bets on strangers lives It gives you the names of the companies Life Partners Holdings Inc um, Have been d- doing it um, And literally selling it off Just like stock To other guys Hoping you'll die a in a certain time And collecting lots of cash For doing so just, It's not a fly on these guys As I say it's amazing, isn't it? Well, from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me, your God, or your gods. goal with you.